our relationship in the beginning was very lovey-dovey. I believe that was truly the first time I really fell in love with someone. He loved me, he cared for me, and at the time, I thought that was all I could ever ask for. I wanted that high school sweetheart, like, oh my gosh, they've been together for this long. I saw the potential for what he could be, and I knew how good he was at certain things. When he was around, I was nervous. I was nervous he was going to say something or do something wrong. Constantly crying and screaming at each other. Emotionally, verbally, abusive, pushing, shoving, throwing things at me. Really hurtful things. Him trying to text me off of other phone numbers, message me off of fake profiles, do anything he could to try and get my attention. That was always my fault. There was never, it was never his fault. He always blamed me. Looking back on it, I wish things had gone differently and I would have ended things with him sooner. I'm Bill Mitchell, and this is When Dating Hurts, a podcast dedicated to my daughter, Kristen, and all women taken from us before their time by the epidemic known as dating violence. I will speak with authorities in domestic violence, law enforcement professionals, families of victims and survivors, and actual survivors themselves. Angela Haight is a survivor. She graduated from Westchester University in 2018 with a BS in exercise science and a minor in psychology. She played lacrosse and rugby at Westchester and was an avid runner and equestrian. She graduated from Temple University in 2020 with her master's in occupational therapy. Angela has been working in the Philadelphia School District as a full-time occupational therapist. She also works part-time in an outpatient pediatric clinic that incorporates equine-assisted therapy. Hi, Angela. So good to meet with you today. Hi, Bill. It's really nice to speak with you and meet you as well. That's terrific. Thank you. So I guess if we can just kind of jump in and start with the first time you had a relationship with someone who was abusive, how can you kind of bring us into that? Sure. So I was 17 years old. I was in my junior year of high school. It was, I believe it was February of my junior year. So towards the end, I kept passing this boy in the hallways and we would make eye contact and it was like I felt a connection I was like I really like I have no idea who this kid is I've never seen him before but I was intrigued I ended up speaking to him he was dreamy and back then he was a bad boy which is something that I notoriously went for I fell in love with him fast and hard and it actually ended up that he lived about a block and a half away from me and I, my whole, my whole life. And I did not know that. Um, Mm. so that was at the time it was really exciting. I was like, he's basically my neighbor. And now I wish he didn't live so close, but he was, do you live that close even now? No. So my parents still live in that house. And as far as I know, his family still lives in the house. Okay. Uh, So they're, they're close. 
I really, I'm not sure if he lives there or not. I don't know. Okay. But, okay. Sure. Um, I don't live there anymore. Yes. I, I, I'm sure we will come to understand why. <laughs> so how would you describe the relationship in the very beginning? I mean, obviously this guy is like, um, hitting all the notes for you. Yeah. And you're thinking this is terrific and I hope we can be boyfriend, girlfriend, oh, that yeah. type of thing, right? I was determined. I, everyone had told me he was the typical, just that like stereotypical, never dates a girl, never is only with one person. I wanted to be different and I wanted to be the girl that proved everyone else wrong. Uh, our relationship in the beginning was very lovey-dovey. We were together all the time. If I wasn't at lacrosse or soccer or at the barn, I was with him. I always went to his house, always hung out with him there. I believe that was truly the first time I really fell in love with someone. Okay. And it was, it was a lot. It was, it was a lot. Um, Early on, we just like jumped in. It, we maybe hung out a few times and maybe three weeks after we started to like hang out and go out together, it was like we're boyfriend and girlfriend very fast. So you're going along and you're having this wonderful relationship and it, it just seems to be getting better and better. It's everything that you hoped it might be, right? Yeah. So how long do you go along before maybe something comes along where you say, I didn't expect that? or that that was clunky or whatever you know I don't want to give you words truthfully it was probably about a week after we had hung out for the first time but I looked past it I said we weren't boyfriend and girlfriend we just hung out I there were no titles there was no conversation about exclusivity it didn't matter that he kissed a girl at another party I was away we weren't together fine and then Things progressed from there, and honestly- But it's a week and a half, and then something happened. What was that? Was that the kissed another girl, or was that something different? No, that was a kissed another girl, and it was like someone someone had told me at school, and I was just like, oh, like, we weren't really together. Like, it, you know, it's okay. You let that one slide. Mm -hmm. And that honestly started a very slippery slope and truly was foreshadowing for the entire uh, length of our relationship. I mean, I probably wouldn't look at that as a warning sign of big trouble ahead. You know, you, you could brush that off, right? You, yeah. could, you could look at that and say that, well, okay, you know, I'm not wearing a ring or anything. You know, I'm not wearing his bracelet. And, but then what happens next that gets, gets a little bouncy for you, you know, gets uncomfortable for you where you think, oh, I, I didn't appreciate that. Yeah. So in terms of like red flags, is that yes. Weird? Yes, sure. From the beginning, he had told me that he had issues with substance abuse, getting drunk, getting high, whatever that would be. And I was just, I kind of thought he was joking about it and brushed it off. As our relationship went on, I saw how problematic his use of substances was, whether mm -hmm. it was in regard to our relationship or just his daily functioning. Yes. As time went on and he was intoxicated in some way, shape or form, there was always some type of outlash towards me, whether it was just verbal or physical. Eventually 
But in the beginning, especially, it was a lot of just really mean words and ignorance towards our relationship, towards me and my feelings. And of course, that progressed throughout the relationship. Now, how was he when he was not intoxicated or in some way? Or or was he becoming like this all the time? Did it make a difference? For me, it did. So when he was intoxicated, I I wanted to be around him because I was so concerned that something would happen. He would get in a fight. He would drunk drive. He would go meet up with another girl. But he when he wasn't intoxicated, he was really in my eyes back then. He was really great. He He loved me. He cared for me. And at the time, I thought that was all I could ever ask for. And being where I am in my life, I see that I had set very low standards and he was barely scraping the bottom of the barrel. like Hard, Hardly meeting the standards at all. Huh? Yeah, definitely. Did you think of him as, I kind of refer to it sometimes as the wet puppy that you're trying to clean up and take care of and bring him along, you know, he's, you, that you become kind of the fixer upper type, you know, that, that yes. nice... That nice uh, Florence Nightingale type person who who sees the faults but sees the good parts and figures, well, you know, I'm just going to help them kind of move through the faults and then we're just going to have the good times and this is just going to be just wonderful. Bill, that's a, a perfect analogy because throughout our relationship, I didn't realize it until later on, but I wanted to fix him. I wanted to fix him. I wanted to help him. I saw... The potential for what he could be and mm-hmm. I knew how good he was at certain things and where his strengths really were but I couldn't get through to him and that was really hard for me to come to terms with in understanding that no matter what I did I couldn't fix him and that was his job not mine after a while you start to see it's unattainable so okay so at this point we have this relationship that has flaws but you're hanging in there because you're hoping you can dust them off and you can get to the better days and just have mm-hmm. the better days. And then the, the other business is behind you. Yes. So this is going along. Are you tempted along the way to drop this relationship and just say, this is a lot of work. I'm a junior in high school. You said 17, yes, right? Yes, 17. Okay, right, 17. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, it's easy for somebody who is older than that to say, my God, you know, you got your whole life ahead of you. And why are you going to stop for this guy? You know, he's not the last guy around. Yeah. And you kind of know that already. But you still hang in there, right? Yeah. I I believe, I don't remember if it was Ryan that said, if he said hopium or... It was, yeah. Ho- okay, Hopium. You're right. It was it was Ryan on a previous podcast episode who talked about that he was addicted. He started to realize he was addicted to what he called grade A hopium. And so he just somehow learned because he wanted everything to work out so badly. He just taught himself just to keep hanging in there and take whatever came his way. And, and it's it's a horror story, as it turns out. I mean, he but he hung in there way, way past, I would say, 99% of all people, even, well, anyway, 99% of all people, I, I think would say uh, that's about enough of that. When he said that, I was just, I was floored. I said, that 
is the perfect term for what this relationship was for me and I'm sure for a lot of other people as well. Yeah, I I tried to look past it all. I wanted that high school sweetheart, like, oh my gosh, they've been together for this long. I wanted that dream, that relationship, that connection, regardless of all the bad things. I kept pushing them aside and looking towards the future and saying to myself, it's going to get better. He will be different. Things will change and it can't be like this forever. So we've got this we got this bumpy, bouncy yeah. relationship that has flaws. So clearly when there is when there is behavior like this on the part of someone who is potentially abusive, that it typically escalates and it escalates into potentially threats of violence or actual violence or more emotional um, turmoil. Are you starting, like how far into it are we now when you start to maybe get into this area? So I believe that it was maybe six months or a year-ish. I, I distinctly remember the majority of the negative parts of our relationship my senior year of high school, and then my freshman year of college. I would go on vacation with his family. I was with him and his family all the time. And the behavior seemed to just increase. And it was more drinking, more partying, less caring about me, more aggression, more threats of, well, I'm going to just leave you and go with so-and-so like mm -hmm. you don't matter. I'll be, I'll be with someone better. It doesn't matter. I would be in tears on vacation with his family and his younger brother ended up hearing us fighting and stood up for me and was like, you're being totally unrational. Calm down. You're drunk. You're angry for no reason. And a lot of the times the triggers for the fighting and the anger was me being jealous or seeing that a girl had texted him or Snapchatted him or someone had told me something about him that at this point, of course, I'm going to question it and our relationship. And it would be, hey, like I heard this. Is this true? And so he would just blow up at that point. Loose. Big temper tantrum, things, big blow up, yelling. And things flying around the room, everything. Yeah. Yep. And Is he getting physical with you at this time? Yeah. Yeah. At this point, like shoving. Um, nothing that leaves nothing. marks, so to speak. No, no. No. When he's around your parents, which mm -hmm. he must be at some point, they're a block and a half away, right? Yeah. 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 Um, I won't lead you, but I have a good guess. How he, how is he around your parents? Truthfully, he was not around my parents that much. So, yeah. You think he just flat out avoided that? Um, he avoided it. I avoided it. I. You didn't want to show him off in front of your parents? No. And when I when he was around, I was nervous. I was nervous he was going to say something or do something wrong. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want my parents there to see all you, of that to catch on to mm -hmm. what's going on really yeah. and then start asking you a lot of questions and yeah how was he around his parents for the most part 
compared to how he was around you, like is what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, his family dynamic was very interesting and something that I was very new to. He has four brothers and his mom and his dad are together. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very, I don't, I am one of three girls. So I've grown up in a house with all girls except for my dad. The dynamic between boys is just very different. So that was a new thing. The alcohol was also very new to me. My parents never had alcohol in the house growing up. So seeing like his parents and his brothers himself just drinking all the time was new to me as well. So it's a pretty permissive world over there is what you're saying. Yeah. And I don't want to speak badly about the rest of his family, but the dynamic in my eyes was not a healthy dynamic. There would be times where he would be so drunk that he would get violent and then he would end up fighting with his dad and his brother and and other like another brother too and the police would be called and oh my okay yeah so they knew a lot we had a lot of freedom at his house i would that's why i was always there because okay. they didn't care what we did we are what maybe a year and a half two years into this relationship at this point mm-hmm. that'd be fair yeah and so you and he were in high school at the same high school. Was he the same year as you? No, he was actually a year younger than me, but we okay. were at the same high school. So he's still your boyfriend when you finish high school, right? That is correct. Okay, you go to college. Yeah. Is that Westchester? Yes, that Westchester. Okay, so you're in college. He's in his final year at high school. Yeah. And you two are still an item, is that right? That's correct. We've got some variations on emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. There's pushing and shoving in the world of physical. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I just have to ask you openly, then what happens? Like, where are we now? We're in, yeah. you, you know, you are, how, how far is Westchester from this high school? I mean, you guys like very far apart? 30 minutes. Okay. Not, pretty yeah, easy. Not far at all. Okay. Uh, not far enough, I guess. <laughs> yes. You could say that. <laughs> Okay. okay. Um, truthfully, let me rewind just back to that summer. Of course. So that summer after I graduated from high school, you know, my last summer spending all of my time in Phoenixville before going to college and having... And, and where's where's that now? Where's Phoenixville? Like, what, what does that mean? Um, Phoenixville is my hometown. That is where I grew up. That's my high okay. school. Okay. Um, it's, yeah, okay. 30 minutes away from Westchester. Um, sure. So it was my last time I was going to be there before going to college. I had freedom, whereas I was going into Westchester, playing lacrosse and having a really packed and busy schedule. And okay. I had goals for myself, so I knew I'd be busy. I didn't have a car. I didn't know how I was going to get back to Phoenixville to see him, all of that. Um, so this summer, I really wanted to enjoy it live in the moment, have fun, enjoy each other's presence. Mm-hmm. We had gone on vacation, which I had mentioned before, I would frequently go on vacation with his family. And it so happened that this specific summer, 
the vacation was the same week that my parents had gone down to our beach house and I chose to go with my boyfriend instead of my family. That entire vacation was just drinking, fighting. It doesn't matter. You're leaving for college and I'm going to break up with you and I'm going to be with this girl and I don't care and constantly Mm -hmm. crying and screaming at each other, fighting. So fast forward, I go out off to college. I was tremendously nervous. I was living in a new place for the first time ever. I was in a dorm. I had virtually met my roommate, but we had never met in person. And it was scary. Mm -hmm. It's a a, a difficult transition. And it was terrifying. I just remember after my parents had unloaded all of my stuff with me to my dorm room, just having this like pit in my stomach of what's going to happen. And I know that I know that feeling. Well, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, So my fall semester of college, I build amazing relationships with my teammates, my lacrosse teammates. They are like my sisters. I go to them for everything. And we're always together, always spending time together. We often would have like team parties together. We would hang out, get dinner. We were always together. On the weekends, it was very often that I would end up either going home back to Phoenixville or somehow finding a way for him to come to me, which he never wanted to do. Really? No. And he didn't have a car, but he had a lot of friends who did have cars. And that's besides the point, but never wanted to come to me. It was always me doing the work. You're doing the work. Yes. Yeah, always. So... That fall semester was quite hectic. If I even thought about going to a party or told him I was going to a party, it was have fun, you slut, you whore, like go hang out and like hook up with all of these guys and get drunk, whatever, constant, constant. And then he would break up with me and then we would get back together a week later. And then someone from high school that I still knew would reach out and say like, hey, you know, that weekend you guys were broken up, he hooked up with so-and-so and and did all of this. And then he'd come back and put it on me and say, well, who did you hook up with? Like, I didn't hook up with anyone. And it was, it was always my fault. There was never, it was never his fault. He always blamed me. He always found a way to turn it around on you. Yeah. And it was Mm -hmm. constant. Looking back on it, I wish things had gone differently and I would have ended things with him sooner. But they worked out the way they worked out. Um, Yeah. Yeah. At that point, things emotionally, verbally abusive, there would be any time that we were together and I was home or he rarely, like I said, he rarely came to visit me. So when I was back at home with him, pushing, shoving, throwing things at me, just a lot of really hurtful things. I never endured real serious or even moderate injury, but mentally and emotionally, it has taken me years to recover from that relationship. So I have to ask the obvious question, and and I've talked with enough people over the years to know it's not as easy as what I'm about to ask Mm -hmm. you, but still, I'm looking at the relationship or listening to it, I should say, and I'm hearing so many negative things going on, so many arrows are being shot at you and hitting you Mm -hmm. all over the place. 
and I'm not hearing anything that positive in this from yeah. him. You know, I mean, there's there's not there there doesn't seem there doesn't feel to be too many reasons to hang in there. You know, from that wonderful guy in the hallway and and the dreams that you had, which at this point are two and some changed years yeah. ago, and there must have been other people who you bumped into along the way, other guys mm -hmm. you bumped into along the way who would say, Hey, you know, what are you doing? Do you want to get a cup of coffee or do you want to mm -hmm. do something? Are you saying no the whole time because you're still hanging in there for this guy? Is that it? I was very isolating. I rarely spoke to other guys. I'm sure like I have guy friends today who I was friends with in high school who you could ask and our relationship had thinned over mm -hmm. yes i always hear about that. over my relationship with my boyfriend right um, right all your other friends get isolated out of the picture and that happened right yeah and i had one specific friend who to this day is one of my best guy friends but i met him at orientation for westchester so i think it was in july of the summer before going to college he sat down next to me he immediately started talking to me and I was just kept to myself. I didn't, I said, hi, it's like, this is where I went to school. And then he realized he knew someone who went to my high school and was just trying to connect with me and talk with me later on, ended up reaching out to me via Instagram and down the road. Eventually I found out that he had a huge crush on me and was just like the first person I met at college. And he was like, just so intrigued. And I said, I was all hands up. No way. I don't want to talk to you. But then of course, after we had broken up one of the times I had some classes with this kid and we ended up started talking, became good friends. We'd hang out pretty often. And he, he knows all about my past and why I held him out for a long time, but we have been nothing more than friends ever. And I can't believe that I put that off because I knew if I made a guy friend in college, it was going to be an automatic, oh, well, you're hooking up with him. Oh, like <laughs> another right. reason to break up with me and to. Right. To, yeah, to you're going to get verbally punished for that one. Yeah. If anything like that ever happened. Yeah. So here you are, you're making your way through your freshman year mm -hmm. and you do have friends, albeit all on the lacrosse team. Yes. Well, maybe you have other friends, but I mean, <laughs> these are your close, closest friends. Yeah. So, okay. So we're cruising along now. I don't know how this story goes, but, mm -hmm. but it, you're not with this guy now. Now it's years later, yes. but, but so what's up next? So what's the next chapter in our, in this book we're writing. Freshman year of college. Like I said, we were very on and off. Like, are we second semester at this point? Yeah. Second semester. So over winter break, we were together. Of course, we're so close to each other. We were together, went back second semester, and that's lacrosse season. I went back. I had games every weekend. And the way that the games work when you're playing like a uh, varsity sport, they don't take or they can't take everyone on the travel team to go to these games that are far away. And I ended up traveling for some of the games, which was the whole weekend and just caused more issues more turmoil. We had broken up. He had broken up with me. Every time we broke up until the very last time, he was the one who broke up with me. Mm -hmm. He broke up with me and I can't quite remember why or what it was, but I 
really like pushed him away. And I tried my best to stay away from him. And then maybe a week or two after we had broken up, I heard he was dating someone who I used to be friends with in high school and played lacrosse with in high school. At the time, that was the last straw for me. I was like, I I can't believe this. This is ridiculous. He was telling me he loved me yesterday, even though we were broken up. It was still communication Mm -hmm. and trying Mm -hmm. to get me back. And then things fell apart. He ended up driving out to Westchester, calling me, telling me he was outside and wanted to talk and explain things. I gave him the time of day and he explained all of these things to me. So yeah. you did come out, mm-hmm. you did talk. Yeah. To him. Um Okay. All right. So nervous. I was shaking, bawling my eyes out with my roommate prior to going out there. And I was just like, I'm so angry. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't know what he could possibly say. But somehow he said some right things. We didn't immediately get back together, but then when I went home that summer, we ended up getting back together. And yep, same mm, thing. Here we are again. Just this felt like a never-ending cycle, but this time it was it felt different. He was so adamant that he was going to change and that he was going to be different. And he was. He was proving to me that he wanted to try more. He drank less. He, looking back on it now, he was doing a lot of love bombing. He took me shopping, bought me all these things, wanted to just overcompensate for what he had done to me in the past. So that was the summer before my sophomore year of college, leading up to the fall of my sophomore year of college. I had gone home for Labor Day, and then I had found out that my boyfriend had gone to a high school football game with a girl who was like a a common occurrence. Like this girl was always in the picture. And when we got back together that summer, he had said she was Mm -hmm. out. They weren't friends. He was never going to talk to her. And I was just overwhelmed with emotion. He wasn't responding to my texts. I went over to his house. I walked right over and I walk in and he could tell I was furious and just so upset. And he looked at me and just laughed, just, just laughed. And I, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah. And he knew, he knew like, why are you here? Damn well, why I yeah. was there. And I asked him, I said, can we go outside and talk? We went outside and crying, yelling. I told him, I said, I'm done. I can't, I can't do this anymore. You constantly lie to me. You abuse my feelings. You don't treat me right. You told me you weren't ever going to talk to her again. And I I can't do it anymore. And it was excuses. It was, I didn't have any gas money. And she gave me gas money to go to the football game. And da, 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 da. Like, it's not that big a deal. And like, and I was just, I was done. I said, I'm, I'm going home. Was really heartbroken. But I, I made the right decision. And then with all of the other emotions that came during that weekend with a friend's, my friend's sister dying and just everything. I blocked his number. I said, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm, I can't. Him trying to text me off of other phone numbers, would message me off of fake profiles, would do anything he could to try and get my attention. He even posted a graphic photo of me on Twitter, on social media, and I had blocked him on everything, so I didn't know. 
and a, a friend had multiple friends had texted me and said, did you see this? Do you, do you know what he did? And I didn't because I didn't, wasn't following him, but that led to me then going to the police and reporting that. Um, thankfully, because my sisters had convinced me it was a good idea in case somehow that got brought up in my future career. Um, and pretty much when I was at the police reporting the incident, they had said if I wanted to press charges or try and get some type of restraining order, which it would be very difficult, I would have to see him in court. I most likely wouldn't get it because it's very hard to get. And it was it was very much like, it's not worth your time. At that point, it was also the threats. It had grown into... I would just get pages of text messages. Like, even though I had his number blocked when he would text me off of these new numbers, it would be, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill your family. I'm going to kill your dogs. Like, I, I hope you kill yourself. Like, constant, just verbal abuse. And I didn't know if if he really would hurt my dogs or my family or anything of the sort. So I, that was another reason why we had gone to the police and reported that. Because of COVID last year, freshman students didn't physically attend in person. They also weren't there to attend any instruction about dating violence and what can happen, what does happen. A new crop of students will be entering college this fall. Students who have not received much, if any, instruction about dating violence and sexual assault. So this year, more than half of all college students will be attending in person for the very first time. You can see the danger. You can see the need for education about dating violence. Think about When Dating Hurts, available on Amazon. It appears at this point in the story that you've completely bottomed out on this guy. Yeah. Like, that's it. I don't want to hear from you anymore. I'm turning the page. I'll never look back. Mm -hmm. Did that happen? For the most part. Yeah. The, I mean, is that it? Yeah, for the most part. The, the end of his story, he just kind of like went on to to go bother other people or yeah there were situations here and there that was because westchester was so close to phoenixville he ended up coming out that way to go to parties and would sometimes end up at parties where people from my lacrosse team would recognize him and would kick him out and oh good we've yeah we had a few situations like that happen and of course then he would reach out and just go through like just reaming me like saying a lot of different hurtful things got to the point where it was like i'm gonna fight you like i'm gonna beat you up like, these are all through text messages at this point still yes yes but then we because that's the only way he can contact you at this stage right that's correct and through that but even though like i had blocked his numbers but he would either change his number or use some type of application to text me off of a different number. And Westchester is a very small town and small like area where the college parties happen, especially it was, it was homecoming day. So everyone was out partying. I had, I was walking through the streets with a few of my teammates and he saw us and like came down into the street, was threatening to fight me, like getting up in my face. Thankfully I had one of my good friends and teammates with me who 
stood up for me and like told him to back off and threatened to call the police and all of that. And that really, it escalated to that point. And then it was, he would like pretend like he was going to hit my friend, not me. And then didn't, was just trying to do it to intimidate us and to scare us. So what represented the end of this relationship? Even all bad things come to an end. So, so what was that? Yeah. Or was that what we just heard? That was roughly the end of it. Here and there throughout the rest of my college career, he would attempt to reach out. And there were times where I would, in the beginning, I'd pay attention and respond and just be cordial. And then I had come to the realization that like, that wasn't worth my time. He had really hurt me and coming to the terms that it was actually abuse, whether it was truly physical or just emotional, verbal, and that sort of thing was hard for me. And I had responded to something he said one time. And I said, like, you put me through hell, you abused me, all of this. And he, he responded, he was like, I didn't, I didn't abuse you. Like, I never laid a finger on you. And I was like, but that and the, you, you pushed me mm. around, you threw things at me. There was- I didn't understand what abuse was. Physical, but more than that, it was the emotional and the verbal. And it was just constant, like, manipulative- dismissiveness, all of that, the guilt, the denying. And throughout the years, he, the last time he attempted to reach out to me was through a fake Facebook account, I think February of 2020. And mm, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Still. And every time it's, it's about him. It's, I had a close friend, actually an ex-boyfriend die in 2019 by suicide and somehow he found out about it and he texted me and he said, I'm so sorry to hear about your friend. I didn't have the number. I didn't, I didn't respond initially. And then I get like four more text messages and it's, I've been sober for three months. Like I've been doing really good. Just all about him. Take me back. Yeah. 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 Take so. me back. So you had said to me earlier that that even though there's now there's a year and a half from what you just said, and there's mm -hmm. time and there's let's say some distance, yeah. But you still carry some of this with you. You still have this sort of rolling around inside your mind. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I graduated from Westchester in May of 2018, and I went right to start my master's at Temple in June of 2018. I started, I was in a relationship in May and June of 2018. That was my boyfriend who had, who had died by suicide in 2019. After he had died, I was very upset all over the place. So you say you had, you had a boyfriend who committed yes. suicide. And were you boyfriend, girlfriend at yeah. that time? Yeah. Oh, wait. No, no, no. Sorry. Not when he killed himself. We were friends at the time. Okay. But nonetheless, it, like we still had a connection. We still had feelings for each other, and it just didn't work out. And going through that on top of all of my previous baggage with relationships was really difficult. So I, I can imagine. Thankfully, Temple University... And like other universities has counseling programs and I 
three days after it happened, I went to the counseling center, Good. went through a That's screening, good. told them why I was there, unloaded a lot of my history and was in therapy every other week for about a year, a year and a half. And I had tried therapy before and had been in and out, but this therapist at Temple, she was the reason that I have changed my thought process and the reason I am where I am today. And where was that? I am extremely confident and comfortable in relationships, friendships, relationships. And thanks to my therapist at Temple, I was able to work through a lot of my thought process and negative emotions and feelings toward dating during my therapy sessions with her and truly has just made my outlook on relationships different. My relationship now is amazing and my boyfriend is absolutely just, he's so understanding. He's funny. He makes me laugh. He is always open to talk about anything and everything, all the hard stuff, the good stuff. And I truly appreciate him. He knows all about my past and is always open to talk about it and to to understand. I'm just curious about some of the therapy that you went through. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any that you can I, not? I don't mean to share about you personally, but some of those things you walk away with, like some mantras you have in your head, maybe you know that. Yeah. That when this type of thing happens. I want to think about this or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So you can share with our audience so that somebody listening to you who maybe mm -hmm. is dealing in some way with an abusive relationship, you can share this to, to tell. Yeah. My, my therapist at Temple, she focused on using a CBT approach. So a cognitive behavioral therapy approach, which really focuses on, changing our thought patterns. So while I was in therapy with her, we dug deep into the roots of my, of my issues and my feelings. A lot of it was reframing the thoughts that come to mind. So I had told her that anything that happened, it was all, it was me. And even in my brain, it was, oh, well, what did I do? What did I do wrong? Why wasn't I good enough? where she really tried to have me work through the process of it wasn't you, it was them. You didn't do anything wrong. They weren't able to give you what you needed. And it was all about just reframing my thoughts and my processing and just going through and knowing that just because a significant other has a really good relationship with another person doesn't mean that they're going to cheat on you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that they're lying to you. Just because someone raises their voice doesn't mean that they're going to lash out and throw something at you or push you and take it out on you. Cognitive behavioral therapy was really helpful for me. And in the beginning, it was kind of hard to understand how this was going to long-term affect me and change but with the continued practice it really it really did a lot you've just come off of fairly steady three years or so or maybe more 
Yeah, it was about three, three and a half. That's a lot. You know, when you think of 36 months of anything, plus other bits Mm -hmm. and pieces and and little um, needle pricks from this guy. And if you get so wrapped up in that one person, you could almost think, well, I bet just about every guy's like that guy somehow. Yeah. and, And then, you know, you one way of dealing with it is to somehow figure, I guess this is normal. So now mm-hmm. if you meet up with somebody, you start to think, well, I'm just, you may not be thinking of this on a surface level, but you might be thinking at some point, this person is probably going to start pulling what the last guy did, the Phoenixville guy, yeah. you know, and it's almost weird. It's almost disappointing if it doesn't start happening because you've been expecting it so much, you know, so you, yeah. you know, you're just waiting for the, the verbal punches at some point, because yeah. that's really, that's where you've been living for so long. So I'm so happy that that you got a lot of help and it worked and you got mm-hmm. that with you. So now you can share that with other people yeah. and that you have a relationship that's healthy for a change. How, how nice, you know, how nice. It's a really nice change. And it's also very interesting to see what I used to think was a good relationship and was healthy right. to where we actually are now. Right, like, right. Our relationship is just so symbiotic and we really just, we feed off of each other and we just, we work very well together. So. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'll always take a happy ending, you know, and (laughs) with so many of uh, the things that we've as a family experienced, you know, with what happened with my daughter uh, and, and obviously a lot of the podcast episodes, there's not a lot of happiness coming through. It's really trying to retrieve people and it's trying to kind of like, you know, well, what's the best, what's the best we can do with this horrible situation? And, and, mm-hmm. and yours in the last few minutes feels like I felt like the sun just came out for a change after a dark and rainy and kind of miserable day, you know, so I'm very happy yeah. for you. And you know, I, yeah, oh, I appreciate that. Sure. Oh yeah. And I, pre- I appreciate the fact that, that you've shared so much of this and, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that you're not just kind of in that, down mode and trying to figure out how to how to pull up before you hit the ground. Yeah, I think something that I didn't realize when I was in my relationship with my Phoenixville boyfriend, something that I found out only maybe a year or so ago that I did not realize my family, my sisters and my parents, of course, were very concerned. And they had told me they truly didn't believe I was going to go to college. They didn't think, they didn't think I was going to go to college. They thought I was just going to end up with him somewhere, not, not going to school and doing what I wanted to do Mm -hmm. and not fulfilling my dreams. And hearing that come from them was really hard. Yeah, that is hard. It made me like, just, I, I just wanted to apologize. I was like, I'm so sorry that you thought that. I was going nowhere. Yeah, and Maybe your sisters would have good, wonderful, successful lives, but unfortunately you're just going to kind of go down the drain with this guy somehow yeah. one, one yeah. way or another, at least mm-hmm. if you had the opportunity to talk with, with somebody male or female who is abusive now talking to the other side, you know, not just people uh-huh. who are on, who are being abused, but someone who's abusive. I'm just curious, what would you say to that person who is doing this to someone else? I would strongly urge them to go to therapy and people act the way that they do because of learned tendencies Mm -hmm. and behaviors and their upbringing. So getting down to the root 
of their trauma, I believe would be vastly beneficial and not that it would take anything away from the people who were abused or are abused, but to hopefully help the abuser heal and dig deep down into their roots and figure out why it is that they feel the need to control and to abuse and attack and be this negative energy around people's lives. Yeah, I think that's very well put. One of the things I really like that you said too, that it is learned behavior. Yeah. I've read enough things to know you you don't grow up an abuser. You be, yeah. become one. You know, you learn, yeah. you see, you hear the cycle of the abuser, but you see someone else doing it. And then you find yourself modeling yourself after what that person does, because you see the result maybe that they get, or they've used it on you and you realize, okay, that's a power I can use on other people. So they kind of keep it going. Different question for you. What resources can people use right now to gain information on dating and and domestic violence? How would you, if you, if you met up with your younger self, Mm -hmm. where, where would you send your younger self for help? I would send my younger self to Laurel House. I, as you know, I'm good friends with Emily who was on one of your previous podcasts. Yes, she's terrific. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, she's the best. (laughs) And ever ever since she started working at Laura House, of course, seeing her passion, working with domestic violence survivors, and knowing that Laura House is such a great resource for people in the Philadelphia area, that would be my immediate resource to, to give to people. I've known them longer than any other domestic violence agency. Mm-hmm. Going way back to one of our early run walks we had, it was about just over a year after Kristen passed away. The uh, Beth Sturman and the people from Laurel House showed up and they were working a table and handing out brochures and Beth came up and and we mm-hmm. were just instant friends. And I just thought, wow, I can learn so much from her because I know what it was like to lose my daughter, but I didn't know what dating and domestic violence was really. I had some antiquated, stereotypical, cliche mm-hmm. version of it in my head. I didn't think yeah. it happened to people like you and me and our family mm-hmm. and and others yeah. like that. So yeah, it's I, truly amazing to see how you've been honoring your daughter's life by trying to branch out into this domestic violence community and help people grow and learn and get the resources that they need. Is there anything that you feel I might have missed today or something you want to add here? I think I think it's really important to have a support group. Thankfully for me, Emily is one of my key members in my support group. And then my, my two sisters, we are also very close. Without them, I would not have gotten through a lot of it. In, in the ways that I did, because even through the ugly, they were there. They were always there. They listened or they didn't listen, but they held me and they were always present. So even if you are isolating, remember those friends and those close loved ones that you have and know that there are people in your life that you can always turn to. Use them for that because that's why that's why they're there. Well, I have to tell you, I'm so impressed by the courage that you've exhibited by coming forth, talking about these very, very personal parts of your life. You know, it can't be easy to do that. And 
And I just hope that some listeners identify with what you've you've said here today and seek help by calling a hotline like it could be Laurel House or some local mm-hmm. domestic violence agency. And mm-hmm. if they don't know of one, they can always call the National Domestic Violence Hotline, which is 800-799-SAFE. Yes. But to get in touch with somebody and do something, you know, if you think that you're in a in a, an abusive relationship or your daughter is or your niece or your good friend or your neighbor, coworker, could be anybody. But, you know, you can call there yourself. You can talk with them and say, look, I have a friend that's going through something. I don't know what to do. Where do I turn? At least get it started. Mm-hmm. Another good piece of advice I've heard at times is that that if you have a friend, you try to get your friend to call. And if your friend feels squeamish about calling, then say, look, why don't I call? You sit with me and we'll just talk. And if you want to get off, we'll get off. We'll just hang up or we'll do what we have to do. It, you know, we yeah. let's just get this going. And mm-hmm. as you said, too, sometimes with your sisters, just being great listeners is is really what you need or somebody just to give you a hug and and get you through that because you, you don't want to do it alone. Yeah, definitely. But Angie, I just can't thank you enough for stopping your busy schedule and for giving us all this time today and telling us this this tough story. I'm just so glad that you're in a better place now. You know, you're in a much happier, brighter spot. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Bill. It was really great getting to talk to you and sharing this story of mine is cathartic. Good. So I'm happy I was able Good. to do yes, it. Yes, and you told it very well, very thoroughly. Thank you. Okay. I hope I meet up with you someday. Thank you. Because of COVID last year, freshman students didn't physically attend in person. They also weren't there to attend any instruction about dating violence and what can happen. What does happen? A new crop of students will be entering college this fall. Students who have not received much, if any, instruction about dating violence and sexual assault. So this year, more than half of all college students will be attending in person for the very first time. You can see the danger. You can see the need for education about dating violence. Think about when dating hurts and ask someone you care about to listen to this podcast.